0: Welcome to Access Utah, I'm Tom Williams. We're going to be talking about abortion on the program today. Utah's trigger law, SB 174, went into effect briefly earlier this year following the U.S. Supreme Court's Dobbs decision, but it's now being appealed and an injunction is in place. In the meantime, abortion seemed to be a motivator for Democrats especially to vote in the recent midterm elections. Later in the program, we're going to be talking with Carrie Galloway, CEO of Planned Parenthood of Utah. In this first half of the program, we're going to be talking with Representative Carrie Ann Lisenby, Republican from Clearfield. She's the Utah House sponsor of Senate Bill 174. We'll also be talking with Representative Kira Berkland, Republican from Morgan. We recorded these conversations yesterday. So we want to talk about abortion law, of course, uh, the post-Dobbs world that we're, we're living in. Kind of post-Dobbs, right? Because uh, Utah's uh, trigger law is is on hold. Um, so let me start with you, uh, Representative Lisenby. I think you were the House sponsor for SB 174. What, what does 174 do?
1: That's a great question, Tom. So 174 is our trigger law that was tied to the overturning of Roe v. Wade. So if in the event that Roe v. Wade was overturned, it uh, created a, uh, it recognized life as starting at implantation, and then it allowed for the current exceptions that have been in Utah law for the past 50 plus years. And those exceptions are the death of the woman on whom the abortion is performed, a serious risk of substantial and irreversible impairment, two physicians uh, in writing concurring that the fetus has a defect that is uniformly lethal or severe brain abnormality, and then the woman is pregnant as a result of rape, rape of a child, or incest. And before the abortion is performed, the physician who performs the abortion verifies that that rape or incest has been reported to law enforcement. Mm.
0: Uh, so uh, the previous law, which uh, I think is in enforced while 174 goes through the appeals process, uh, that has an, except, I guess, complete exception up to 18 months?
1: 18 weeks.
0: Or 18 weeks, sorry.
1: So the Down Syndrome Non-Discrimination Abortion Act, which I also sponsored, is also in effect. So that actually precludes abortions for the sole purpose that the baby has Down syndrome prior to 18 weeks.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, just to follow up on 174, when that goes, in, I say when, presumably the appeals will be successful in favor of 174, um, what are the, uh, for those exceptions, I think there are some terms, uh, certifications that, that, that a woman or a abortion provider would have to provide, right? So, for example, um, you'd have to prove that a rape happened, right? That sort of thing. You'd have to uh, get a doctor's no. certification that uh, that a uh, woman's life was in danger. So, no, you wouldn't have to. No. Sort of explain that, please.
1: So it's not proving that a rape happened. It's reporting a rape to law enforcement, which is important because we want to prevent future rapes. Rape is a horrendous crime. We don't want rapes to happen to women. In fact, I passed a bill uh, two years ago, and then a follow-up bill that has created a situation where the AG's office has actually identified two serial rapists in Utah because of that bill. So we feel strongly, and I believe Cara... Uh, Representative Brooklyn agrees that we do not want rapes to happen and it's important that those rapes are reported to law enforcement. Mm -hmm. The adjudication process happens after, but it's simply just reporting to law enforcement that um, a rape has occurred. That's the only requirement under our law.
0: Okay, reporting. Okay. Uh, Representative Berkland. I um, understand that you know, there's been reporting on a, a letter sent out to abortion providers, and I think the oh, you can characterize this. Uh, concern uh, is that while 174 is, is on appeal, you're concerned about uh, abortions continuing? What, explain this, please.
2: Well, thank you. So our concern, number one, is that we have been um, made aware that there have been quite a number of abortions that have taken place here in our state since the overturning of Roe v. Wade. Regardless of the enjoining of of ruling from the judge, many of us believe that an abortion provider may be held responsible if the lawsuit is thrown out, if the state is deemed um, correct in in their assessment of the legislation, they will be held responsible for all of these deaths here in our state. And so rather than coming after them later saying, we believe we have this ability to come after you for breaking the law, we'd rather make them aware now so that they can act with knowledge and power and make the decisions knowing the concerns that we have.
0: Uh, Planned Parenthood is calling this fear-mongering. What do you say to that?
2: Well, I don't really care what Planned Parenthood says, frankly. Um, I I think it's unfortunate that they don't want to just have a conversation on this issue with us. They continue to just ignore any concerns that we bring to the table.
0: So your uh, your belief is that even though this bill is um, on injunction, right, for appeal, that uh, abortion providers could be held liable uh, w- when the appeals are cleared?
2: Correct. We can pass legislation to retroactively hold them responsible and so rather than holding on to this and just acting later we'd rather be more transparent with the public and with these providers and instead of just saying you know what let's have a conversation about it they've just you know turned their heads not want to talk and just you know really not done what i believe is in the best interest of of the people of utah and the women that come to them
0: uh so president berkland uh, i believe you've announced that you're going to open a a, a bill file i don't know if you've done that uh, for the upcoming session uh, regarding this uh, that would prohibit, I'm reading here from reporting, prohibit government entities from setting any procedure for reporting of a, well, it doesn't go through proper law enforcement agencies.
2: Well, currently, oh. right now the disconnect, we have these rape survivors they're pregnant, and reported, law enforcement is saying we have no, report. and I think we need to, for the safety and health of all women, So it'll um, it'll require law enforcement to place on their website their policy and procedure for when a rape is reported to them. They'll also have to report yearly how many rapes were reported to them and how many they investigated and what the outcomes were for those investigations. And it'll provide uh, financial support through through medical care, mental health care to those that come forward. Uh, we want to make sure that the victims here in our state have better access to help when they when they come forward.
0: Representative Lisenby, uh, will you be putting forward any legislation? Or do you know of any legislation coming forward? Or I guess I could ask it this way. Is there any legislation needed uh, under, you know, surrounding abortion at this point? Or do we just let the appeals go forward on SB 174?
1: There are a number of legislators that are considering legislation uh, for the next session surrounding abortion, but I, I think it will take some more time to really um, settle on some policy decisions, so I can't really speak to specifics at this point. I do know I, I, um, in the the letter that Kara or Representative Berklin and I uh, sent to abortion providers in Utah, I mentioned that I plan on passing a bill to um, empower the AG's office to uh, to prosecute these crimes. And as we looked through the statute with our attorneys, we found that actually that. Kind of bill is not even required, but the AG's office already has jurisdiction to prosecute uh, for abortions that happen uh, either under the injunction or post-injunction. And so, um, I am hoping that all these uh, will encourage the AG's office to prosecute the crimes that have committed the lives that have been taken, and so that. That bill is taken care
0: of. I don't believe that will be necessary based on our research of the current statute. Hmm. Um, let me ask. Uh, I guess starting with uh, Representative Lisenby and then Representative Berkeland. Representative Lisenby, um, I, I got I don't know uh, if any of us knows what. What's your best guess on uh, when this is resolved in the courts and SB one seventy four goes fully into effect in Utah?
1: Uh, i'm happy to take a stab at that so i the interlock obviously has been granted and i believe that that uh, will move forward and probably be resolved by early spring and then i, I really don't have a guess on uh, the challenge to the underlying law but i would hope by the end of next year that that will be resolved
0: mm-hmm. representative uh berkeley do you agree with that timeline
2: I would. I I would think that by 2024, all of this will be resolved and we'll have a clear path forward.
0: Mm -hmm. I could ask you, uh, of course, you're concerned, obviously, you're in the the state legislature. I'll start with this, Representative Birkeland. Um, The the, the national scene, do you believe there should be a national law? Right now, there's a, a patchwork of laws. It um, seems like Justice Alito seemed to be okay with that, envisioned this, when he, you know, when, when he led the uh, opinion to strike down uh, Roe v. Wade. Um, is there, would you support national law?
2: I wouldn't. I, I believe it's best look up to each state. Let the states decide what is right for those that they represent there.
0: Um, Representative Lizenby, what do you think?
1: I agree with Representative Brooklyn and I think that that was the Direction that was indicated in the overturning opinion, uh, this is a state issue. And states can determine with com- in consultation with their constituencies, state legislatures can pass laws that reflect the wishes of their state. And that's really important in a, a country like America. We don't need a lot of federal laws jamming down policies that people in different states do not want to see happen and, and feel that a, a federal government that's too big, and um, weighing in on issues that are best left up to the states is best.
0: We'll, I'll start with this, uh, Representative Lizenbead. Um, will adoption, do you think, of abortion pills, the use of abortion pills, ramp up with, with this? Uh, is that where the next battleground is, is going to be, do you think?
1: I don't have any data on whether uh, abortion pills are being used more frequently or not. Um, certainly there is federal statute that prohibits abortion pills or abortion related paraphernalia from being shipped or mailed and abortion providers need to obey those federal laws regardless of of the injunction in Utah or in any state and so there are laws that are protected for women I I will say that uh, that Misoprestone and misoprostol are incredibly dangerous for a woman to take at home without medical supervision, and I worry for our, our women who are um, trying to induce an abortion at home with those medications, um, and, and, you know, if the pregnancy is ectopic and they haven't had a, um, a ultrasound to rule that out before they take those medications... Can be very life-threatening, and we have seen um, a lot of injuries from these types of abortions. And so, I am concerned about that. I want to make sure that uh, the women in Utah are safe, and that the, the medical care that they are seeking is truly medical care that is about protecting them and their lives, and uh, obviously also the life of the baby.
0: Representative Berkland, what uh, same question to you? What is is that the next battleground? What do you like, what do you foresee in uh, in that area of this of this debate?
2: Well, I, I am, too, like Representative Elizabeth, very concerned that women will will feel that that's where they need to go. And unfortunately, as Representative Elizabeth said, it is not safe for women to do that. It, it not only ends the life of the baby, but it can end the life of these women. And I think that you know, this is. Something that the federal government has come out, that the Drug Administration has come out and said, we can't be doing this without proper medical oversight. And I think whatever side of the political aisle you are on, you need to take that into consideration. Of you know what, this is not a a left versus right battle. This is a women's health battle, and we need to come together on this issue. If one issue in this. Abortion conversation is to come bring us together. It should be that that this is not safe for women to take at home or anywhere outside of a medical care facility.
0: I wonder about the politics of this. It, it seemed that we recently had the midterm elections, right? It seemed in some states to boost turnout for Democrats. Um, as I guess this is, it was kind of frozen in time for a while, wasn't it? Uh, Roe v. Wade is it with the Supreme Court now? now it'll be part of elections going forward? Let me start with Representative Birkeland on this one.
2: I, I think so. I think it's going to be something that a lot of people are going to be in tune to because we're leaving it up to the states now. Thankfully, with the, with the overturning of Roe v. Wade, people will be a lot more concerned about the position of those that they elect, what you know, where they stand on this issue. However, I still believe that the majority of Utah, as with the majority of our nation, they are pro-life. It's just balancing being pro-life with pro-support of women. And so we need to make sure that we, we have that thoughtful and intelligent conversation that's just more in- emotionally intelligent and not emotionally charged, where we can actually talk about the issue of how you can preserve the life of the child and the health and life of the mother at the same time. And so I hope as we go down these, these elections in the future, this path, of these, you know, abortion topics, that they are passionate, yet articulated in a way that doesn't tear down those that seek abortions or those that hope to preserve the life of the babies.
0: Um, Representative uh, Lizenby, uh, uh, I'd like to get your uh, response to that. What, what's what's your take on this balance uh, that Representative Birkeland brought up here?
1: So I think it's... Speaking to the previous question about elections, I think it's really interesting that the focus has shifted now, and I think people are keenly aware that our governors in our various states are those in charge of appointing justices to our courts within the state, and that where these decisions may come down as the uh, laws are challenged with the legislature's past And so it's very important, and I think we did see in, in the election of some more conservative over the last a child, and they are a dependent, and they have costs associated with pregnancy, and so we're allowing, uh, we're creating space for a pregnant woman and, and her family to claim that child as a dependent, and that's really important, and, and we're working on quite a few other bills, especially bills to make adoption easier, uh, tax credits surrounding adoption, and um, making adoption more affordable, because we recognize that there are families waiting to adopt babies and there is there has not been a shortage and um, for a very long time of families who are waiting to adopt infants. And so as we see hopefully more more women choose to give their babies life, that those babies will then be adopted if they can't if they feel they can't take care of their baby, that those babies can be adopted by families who can and, and won't and want to have that baby and so um even Planned Parenthood versus Casey you know considered a balancing uh, that required that we think about the life in the womb and that often gets lost in the conversation and and Judge Stone in his uh quote unquote balancing that he did as he was deciding on the injunction I left that out entirely. Did not mention the life of the unborn or preborn baby once. And so we have to come to a space where we're willing to have that conversation and really balance the rights and recognize that this is an independent human life in the womb. That or not independent? I apologize, but this is a human life in the room in the womb. Excuse me. That. Um, that we need to respect and, as a society, take care of. And when a woman doesn't have a choice or when it, it's an extreme medical condition, yes, we absolutely need exceptions surrounding that. And, and I have been supportive of those all along in all of the bills that I've touched. I know Rep- Representative Brooklyn has as well. But at the end of the day, uh, we, we need to have that sensitive conversation about the balancing of rights.
0: Well, we've reached the end of our uh, time together. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, we've been talking with Representative Carrie Ann Lisenby. Uh, thank you so much for joining us.
2: Thank you so much.
0: And we've also been talking with Representative uh, Kira Birkeland. Thank you so much. Thank you. Take care. You're listening to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. Following a break, we'll get a different perspective. We'll be talking with Carrie Galloway, CEO of Planned Parenthood of Utah. <music> In this part of the program, we're joined by Kerry Galloway, who's CEO of Planned Parenthood of, uh, of Utah. Uh, thanks for taking some time with us. Thank you.
3: I appreciate you covering the topic, Tom.
0: We had a conversation um, just recently with Representatives Berkland and Lisenby. We are talking about a letter, kind of a cease and desist letter that they sent out to abortion providers. Um, they are saying that uh, they believe that... Um, The abortion providers could be held liable for abortions provided even while SB 174 is on hold and in appeal. What's your view of the situation?
3: Well, in discussions with our lawyers, um, we believe that the injunction that Judge Stone has put into place covers us. For continuing to provide health care to women in Utah um, while the injunction is in place. Uh, the um, legislators in question, you know, a cease and desist law order is a law enforcement issue, not a legislative issue. And um, according to our lawyers, as well as a lawyer at the University of Utah Law School who has commented on the situation we find that they are somewhat misguided
0: hmm I should mention that uh, the representatives kind of uh, they they were uh, they, they put out the word that they didn't mean for this to come across I guess as uh, kind of legalistic as it was it was taken they they said they, they want to just give a heads up to providers that they, that they feel that they could be held liable. Um, what? Uh, tell me about how, what your view of uh, Senate Bill One Seventy Four, if and when that goes into effect at some future point, if the appeals are exhausted. Well, let me let me start there. Sorry, let me start there. Do you do you feel that appeals will be successful here?
3: I think that our discussions through the legal system will clarify what will and will not be. Um, legal within the state constitution as written now. Um, We believe that our state constitution gives men and women equal opportunity within the state of Utah. And when the legislature takes away a woman's bodily autonomy to make her own health care decisions, um, we are no longer with parity, and that will have to be clarified. So that's why Planned Parenthood of Utah and the ACLU has pursued this course of action.
0: What's your best guess on a timeline for uh, when when this will be fully resolved?
3: Oh, Tom, to be honest, it could be years because our court date to hear this in state court is not until September of 2023. Now, you're aware that the state has filed um, with the state Supreme Court uh, to lift the injunction and for them to rule against us. The state court will hear their appeal, but it has not lifted the injunction. So, uh, you know, all of this takes time, and um, it conceivably could be years before this is completely resolved.
0: Uh, if at a certain point SB 174 does go into effect, what are your concerns? I'm I'm assuming you have concerns with 174.
3: Well, as a woman, um, I certainly have concerns because what the state has said that a woman no longer can make her own decisions, but the state is taking no responsibility to assist that woman or her family or the pregnant person, in dealing with an unintended or unwanted pregnancy. And therefore, we have to resolve some of these issues. Um, you know, it has been a tough road for those people who believe in reproductive health care, reproductive justice, um, for a number of years, we have had discussions at our state legislature about the state helping pregnant people um, with health care. There has been a proposed piece of legislation to expand Medicaid for contraception to help people plan their families. And for three years, the state Legislature has said, no, they won't even hear the bill. And last year, representatives um, from Ogden uh, had a bill to help pregnant people postpartum with health care and mental health care and physical health care, and it wasn't addressed. Even as late as this summer, it came up. In interim session, and it was not addressed. Um, We are so frustrated that the state is so quick to take away a pregnant person's bodily autonomy and not consider any assistance in helping them meet their health care needs. And so this is a frustration, a conundrum, and something that we have to address as a state. Hmm.
0: Right now, the original law, I believe, is still in effect, right? Um, Abortion allowed up to 18 weeks. Um,
3: Yes. uh, And that is because um, we had had an 18-week bill that, to be honest with you, was in the courts, Tom, and had been for a couple of years. And when the Dobbs decision came down, we needed to address that and had to forego our work on the 18-week case. So the state put that into effect, mm-hmm. and so um, that's what's legal in the state of Utah right now.
0: This has become uh, state by state, right? And it. it, it Sure seemed like Justice Alito uh, foresaw that and was okay with that, that, uh, you know, this goes back to the states. As you look around, and this would be, I assume, in some blue states, are you seeing legislation that you would like in your perfect world to bring to Utah?
3: Well, we have seen that our neighbor in Colorado has worked for years to put into effect reproductive rights in the state of Utah. Um, and so that could be a possibility. Um, Nevada has um, safeguards for pregnant people um, to be able to make their own health care decisions. Idaho is a very bad um, in that they do not even consider a woman's health to be a reason for her to be able to terminate a pregnancy. Um, They they really don't care at all. Um, But I want to point out that the majority of abortions happen within the first 13 weeks of pregnancy, And as we have looked at the sentiment throughout this country since the Dobbs decision, the majority of people believe that it should be a woman, the pregnant person, and her health care provider's decision, not a political decision. And I think we're seeing that as the weeks go on. Certainly, abortion care was on the ballot in five states only a week ago, and all of them were decided in favor of reproductive justice and the pregnant person being able to make their own decisions. Um, We saw this summer in Kansas, a very red state, decided, that it's not politicians who should be making these decisions, but the people involved. Even in Kentucky, there was just last Tuesday a decision that the politics should not be involved in health care. And so this is being resolved, unfortunately, state by state across the country, and the people... Who are living in peril are people who can get pregnant, who can't make their own health care decisions.
0: You mentioned those uh, those measures, restrictive abortion measures that I think uniformly went down to defeat, or almost uniformly. Uh, it seems like in, in the post mortem now, from the from the midterms, a lot of analysts are saying abortion was. In the minds of many people, uh, boosted uh, turnout for Democrats. Are you seeing that as a hopeful sign going forward?
3: I certainly am, uh, because it's the people having their voices being heard. Um, You know, politicians just shouldn't be practicing medicine. Um, I have been in the world with Planned Parenthood for 40 years now, over 40 years. And what I have done every day in this job, Tom, is make sure that women, people who get pregnant, families, have the ability and the right to plan their families for the strongest families, for the strongest communities, And that's where we should all be working for better sex education, better responsibility, better health care for people to be able to make decisions, form families with the best of intentions, and, you know, make a stronger society. Um, Fighting over weeks just doesn't seem productive
0: to me. Nationally, I think President Biden's mentioned this, um, of course, Republicans are mentioning this as well. A national law on abortion, of course, it, from those two point of, points of view, would be very different laws. Uh, do you think there should be a national law on abortion?
3: Well, I wouldn't mind a national law to stay out of abortion. <laughs> um, and uh, I know what you're speaking of is, again, putting limits on um, pregnant people's ability to be able to decide. Um, for, over, for almost 50 years, Roe versus Wade was the law of the land. And though we continued to have skirmishes, um, the majority of people in the United States had the ability to make their own health care decisions. Um, Since June 24th, we have been in a state of disarray throughout this country. Um, And it has meant that people who have the ability, the financial ability, the emotional ability to travel for their health care by plane or train or or car can get the health care they need. But people who don't have that ability are disadvantaged that's not the country i want to live in tom and you know it it just doesn't seem right to me so i don't know um i'd like politics to stay out of health care
0: i want to have you talk about abortion pills is that the next battleground or is that the the you know i could foresee perhaps uh, Um, debates over loosening or tightening uh, current rules on shipment or receipt of abortion pills.
3: Well, you're right. It will be the new frontier, because science and medicine has progressed so that women can, in the privacy of their own home, if, again, they have the financial, emotional wherewithal to be able to access... Um, abortion pills, be able to make their own reproductive health care decisions. And for those who are hell-bent on controlling other people, um, we will continue to have that fight. I agree with you, Tom. Mm -hmm. Um,
0: My guess the previous half-hour representatives, uh, Elizabeth and B. expressed concern uh, that in some cases... Might pose a danger to the health of the woman if she's not receiving, uh, you know, medical advice on using these pills.
3: Um, that could be a possibility, but uh, experience has not proven it to be a problem. Um, they are safe, uh, easy to use, and um, effective. Uh, there are outside cases in this world on everything, but um, not a reason to interfere in a woman's decision.
0: Let me just run by one more thing that the, my previous guest said, Representative Brooklyn lisby uh, They talked about, uh, you know, recognize that maybe we need to make it... Um, Easier to adopt, uh, easier, maybe they talked about, maybe a tax credit for unborn children, easier to make it uh, financially viable for for parents to have have children. Are, Are those moves in the right direction or not, do you think?
3: Oh, I agree with them. All moves to help families recognize their dreams and desires. But the part they left out there, Tom, is more sex education, more family planning that is accessible, affordable, and easy to get. Let's go with all of the possibilities to help people create the best families. I'm all for that.
0: Hmm. Anything else you'd like to say on the subject uh, as we reach the end of our uh, time together?
3: Well, I'm very glad that you're continuing to cover the topic. um, I think that uh, eventually the state of Utah will have to come to grips with some responsibility that they will assume if they're going to take away the rights of pregnant people to make their own health care decisions. So I'm glad that Planned Parenthood has been able to use the legal system to pause a hastily um, devised trigger bill, and that we will have more communication, more thoughtful discussion, and hopefully come up with a plan that allows the families of Utah to be able to live their dreams. Um it's what I've been doing for the past 40 years, and um, it's probably one of the most important health care um, issues of our time. So thank you for covering it.
0: We've been talking this part of the program with Carrie Galloway, CEO of Planned Parenthood of Utah. Thanks so much for joining us.
4: Thank you. Bye-bye. Okay, bye now. Utah Public Radio Citizens Academy, Session 16. Welcome to our final session from Citizens Academy. The voting is done, the counting is almost finished, and minds are turning toward the real work of governing. It seems to me we've witnessed a small change of direction during this voting season. A lot of political leaders and observers have promoted the need for a more civil approach to politics and government for a variety of reasons. We were part of that chorus, promoting what I call political relationism. On this little series, I propose the idea that it's up to us to find, elect, and support political leaders who exhibit the best relationship skills and who enjoy the most robust relationship portfolios. The idea is that relationship-based politics is more beneficial and less costly than power-based politics. I've argued that relationship-based society is far more likely to result in greater unity, justice, domestic tranquility, general welfare, greater safety, and greater blessings of freedom than is possible in a power-based society. Recent years have seen our politics and society deteriorate in personal and collective battles for power. We've seen gridlock and worse. And along came 2022 midterm elections, with calls for a more civil change in course. Now we voted. My question, how did we do? What do you think? Of course, the really hard work of politics and government is still in front of us, and the story of these elections is not over yet. Election of our leaders is the beginning. Relationism applies throughout the governing process. We've learned that healthy relationships are more beneficial and less costly than unhealthy relationships. The primary purpose of government is to establish and protect an environment where healthy relationships can flourish. And the primary means of good government is healthy relationships. Now that we have our leaders in place, now is the time to remind them of these basic principles. Power-based politics and government do not end well. I am reminded of a training program I once attended many years ago. The leader had us try an experiment. He asked for two volunteers to be taken outside of the hall where we were meeting. He said he would ask one of them to return to the room. The leader asked us to choose some task that we wanted the person to perform, but we must not tell the person what it was. We could only say no when he did something, quote, wrong. That was it, no. The objective was to see how long it took before the person would complete the exercise successfully. There were perhaps 50 people in the audience. I forget exactly what the task was to be, but something simple, like go to walk to a particular aisle, then walk to the front of the room, turn around, face the audience, and wave." The leader said, start, and the person began slowly stepping and turning. You can only imagine the chorus of no's he heard, and many of them were in unfriendly tones. After five minutes, the leader stopped the exercise when the subject and one of the audience members almost went to blows. That was not a happy relationship-building experience. The second person was to do a similar exercise, but this time the only thing the audience could do was to say, yes, with every move leading toward completion of the task successfully. Again, I do not remember the exact task he was asked to perform, but it was more complicated like go to the front of the room, move a chair next to a table, step onto the chair and then the table, turn around three times and sing. Something like that. You get the idea. The second person was invited back into the room and was told that every time he made a quote right move the audience would say yes. Again a large chorus of audience instruction but this time all yeses. The exercise took a very short time Just a couple of minutes, successful, and everyone was happy. The person was applauded. Not bad. Successful performance, everyone happy, relationship strengthened. Relationism, it works. Being nice works in politics, too. This is Richard Ratliff for Citizens Academy. I am a political relationist. You may be, too. I hope so. Thanks for listening.